Good morning, everyone. I hope you are well. I hope you had a great week. It's Palm Sunday. We're leading into the week of Easter. I really want to make Easter a great celebration for us as a church this year. It's our second one in lockdown. But hey, how about we claim the weekend as a great, important weekend in the Christian calendar for you and for us as a church. So get involved in all the things we're going to be doing. It's going to be a great, great time. Today, we are talking on power. I've called it, I've got the power. I looked back at the previous messages, and I think I gave them all song titles. Uh, Let's talk about sex. I gave it that one. And money, money, money. I gave it that one. And now it's, I've got the power. So I've given them some natty titles. But this series has come out of the relationship series we did, uh, particularly homing in on marriage, and how sex, money, and power are actually three of the biggest areas that cause conflict and and cause a a clashing. And uh, we started to unpack uh, what that looks like, and not only in marriage, but just in general attitudes and life, so that you can take those attitudes into your whole life and into, into marriage and relationships. So if we're looking at power, and you looked it up in the dictionary, the dictionary definition of power would be something like this. It's the ability to act or do something, Or it's the ability to direct or influence others' behavior. And when I read that in the dictionary, I was kind of encouraged because obviously we've given the the theme for this year as influencers. And isn't it amazing that when you home in on something, you see it all around you. And here we are talking about power, and the dictionary brings out this idea of influence. It's funny that a year ago, Sarah and I, we got a new car, and we, we got a Hyundai. And we've never had a Hyundai before, and it's not a popular brand per se. It's not one of the German brands and all those things. Uh, But we really liked it and some people have recommended it to us and we test drove it and we thought it was great and we got this Hyundai and we thought it's quite unique. But now we've got the Hyundai, we see them everywhere. There's Hyundais all over the place. My point being, when you look home in on something and focus on something, you actually notice it's everywhere and that's true of this word, influencers. So back onto power. Power can cause problems in relationships. For instance, one of the partners comes home and says, I earn the most money, so therefore I decide what we do with the money. Do you see, by by taking what they've got, they claim the power, they take the power, they make the powers. I decide because I bring it into the household. That will be a common theme and, and lots of relationships. Here's another one. If I don't get my way, I'm going to withhold from the physical side of our relationship. And I know you want that, and I'm not going to give it to you. And it's another way of influencing the situation. It's taking control or taking power in the situation so you get what you want because you've got something to contribute. Can you see what happens? It's forcing your agenda, gaining the upper hand, gaining the power because of something you can give or take from the relationship. But surely the goal in relationships is to walk together in unity. Surely the goal in relationship is to say, that's where we're heading. Come on, let's go together. But the reality is there's so often this power struggle which brings tension and causes disunity. Can I make a a big statement right here at the beginning of this message? Power can be taken or power can be given. Power can be taken or power can be given. So the question you need to ask yourself in any given situation is, what's the source of power? Has it been given me, or have I taken it? You know, if you use that term, you know, I withhold from you something that I know you want so I can gain the power, you are taking the power. And the dilemma is this, what's it doing to the other person? How does it make the other person feel, and how does it make the relationship? 
The other way of looking at it is this. Maybe you can sit down together, and we love this, don't we? Being together, and agree where you're headed, and give someone the power to make decisions. You're happy with it. They can handle it. Let me give you an example. Many of you may have noticed my wife, Sarah, through lockdown, has been doing lots of do-our-house-up projects. She's got an Instagram page and Facebook pages, and I know many of you have commented and liked stuff. It's brilliant. She loves it. But what we did is the beginning of lockdown, and we sat down and Sarah said, Barry, I, I really want to do this, and I really want to do that, and I've got a vision for this room, and we discussed it together, and it was brilliant. And seeing Sarah's heart come alive and her, her, her cogs turning in her head, thinking of all these different creative ideas, I wanted her to be able to do that. So what did I do? I sat down and we created a budget and I said, you go for it. And it's been my joy to give Sarah the power and say, knock yourself out. And she's loved it. And I tell you what, our house is like a different home. It's so amazing to see her creativity come alive. But what Sarah has done is sit down with me and say, Barry, I want you to head up the budgets. You're better at that kind of stuff than me, and I want you to do it. And it means that I know the bills are taken care of, savings are taken care of, what we can spend is taken care of. You can do that. And she has given me the authority and power to be able to handle the finances. And so we walk together. So you can take power, or you can release and give power, which creates unity and the ability to walk together. What about a military coup? You know, ultimately in a military coup, the military has to come in and take power. And there's been various instances in history and, and even in today's society, actually. But it rarely generates peace and rarely generates life because you're having to take something, wrestle it off someone, and it doesn't lead to life. Most of you will know that one of my favorite Bible verses is John 10, verse 10. And I want to just highlight that and look at it through this lens of power. Look at it through this lens of give and take. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because it uses a specific word that I'm looking for here. Jesus speaking, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Can you see that? The thief, this is talking of the devil, comes to steal, comes to take, but Jesus comes to give. When you look at that through the eyes of power, Jesus wants to give to you, the enemy wants to take from you. I like to look at it this way, a life with Jesus is a life empowered because he came to give us life, he came to give us abundance, he came to give us fullness and I'm going to unpack why he can do that. Let me make a big statement for you now, this one will come up on the screen, I love this, get your head around this one, authority is power cloaked in legitimacy. Authority is power cloaked in legitimacy. See, when you have authority, you are the legitimate source of power. Can you see that? If you've been given the authority, you are the legitimate source of power. Someone can try other things, but if you're in authority, you're actually in control. And I like to look at it like this. Picture the scene. Go on a journey with me here. Imagine some big, strong, muscular person, you know, coming through and they're walking through the high street or walking down your street and they've got a hammer and they're bashing cars in and smashing windows and kicking pots over, pushing people over and they're big and strong and you think, I don't want to challenge that person because they could take me out because look at the size of them and you back off. But then this little skinny policeman turns up 
And you look at him and you think, what chance has he got? There is no way in the world he's going to overpower this great big guy. But here's the thing. The policeman has the authority. Can you see? We all know, don't we, that despite the huge muscular guy's strength, it's the man or the woman with authority that is going to grasp the power because it's been given to them. In terms of the police, the authority has been given to them by the ruling body over the nation. They are empowered, given authority by the ruling bodies. They're trained to enforce the rules. They're trained to give people safety. They're trained to bring peace. That's their role. So actually, in this situation, it's the policeman who has the authority over the strong man. And therefore, it's the policeman who has the power. So the first question we need to ask ourselves in any given situation is, where does your authority come from? Because when the authority is given to you from a legitimate source, you actually have the power in a situation and therefore you can direct things and walk forward. You see, when you look at a marriage situation, the authority in marriage comes from an agreement between two people so that we want to win and walk forward together. And so you give authority. I've given Sarah the authority. Do the house up. You're good at this stuff. I give you all the authority, and it empowers her to go and do it. And she said, Barry, I want you to handle the finances. I give you the authority to do it. And so I have, I'm empowered to make the decisions. It's two people coming together. When you look in a business situation, it's the boss who empowers the staff by giving them authority to make decisions based on their skill set and their experience. I'm giving you the authority. You handle that case. You handle that situation. You handle that team. You handle that account. You've got the authority to. It's giving people power to make decisions and drive things forward. Can you see how power and authority actually walk out hand in hand? So let's look now sort of bigger picture, life. You know, not just relationships and marriage, but bigger picture and life. You want to live well, I want to live well, you want to succeed. But the reality is we know that there are battles all around us. There's battles for your mental state, there's battles for your health, there's battles for your spirituality, there's battles for your finances, there's battles for your future. You, 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 there's lots of struggle on all around us, and we know that's true. But here's the reality. So often our physical condition is contested in a spiritual realm. And what I mean by that is you look at the creation. You look at the beginning of time. God spoke and the earth was formed. God spoke spiritual. The earth was formed physical. And what happens in the spiritual is unpacked in the physical. And that's the order of things. It's so often our case and our reality today. And remember, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What's he stealing? What is it he's stealing? Well, he's stealing our oneness with God. And when he can steal our oneness with God, he is stealing the unity with the one who gives us the authority and empowerment to live life well. So when we can stay at one with God, he gives us authority to live well. Let me unpack that a little bit, just through the life of Jesus and some of the things he said and things he did. Have a look at this in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Can you see this? You see, when Jesus taught the scriptures, he was one who had authority. Why? Because his father had empowered him. He's given him authority. So he didn't just read words on a page. 
You see, the scribes, the Pharisees, they could read the same words. But when Jesus read them, they came to life. When Jesus read them, they had authority and power to them. When Jesus read them and they were applied, it changed lives. Why? Because he had authority. Can you see how this changes the game? It changes everything. Look at this. Uh, Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. Jesus speaking. And I tell, tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can you see the language here? Here is Jesus, a man carrying authority. And what does he say? I'm going to build my church and I will give you the keys you need to be empowered to do that. Jesus is giving us, me and you, the church, the authority and the power to build the church and break through, break through all of the enemy's plans, which are to separate our oneness with God, who gives us authority and power to live life well. We want to succeed. Do you know the best place to succeed? When you're at one with the Father. With Jesus living in your heart, the one who has authority. So when the enemy comes to steal, he's trying to rob that relationship. He's trying to twist your thoughts. He's trying to put obstacles in your way. Why? Because he wants you to fail. Whereas Jesus wants you to succeed. And he has the authority to do that. Here's another one for you. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Can you see this language here? I have got authority. The authority has been given to me. And now I am empowering you. I've got the authority. And now I'm empowering you to go and make a difference. I'm giving you the ability and power to be influencers, to teach people the things I've taught you, to show people the best way to live, to show people what an empowered life looks like, to show people what my Father in heaven looks like. I've got the authority and I'm empowering you to go and live a great life. Can you see this authority and power going hand in hand and Jesus unpacking it? Here's another one. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. I love this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people, and the might and the incomparably great power for us the great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That is such an amazing passage. Look at it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We're celebrating that next week. Jesus gets up, and when Jesus gets up, we win. And that same power that raised him is the power that he exerts in us. I give you that power. And then look at it. Everything is under his feet. Why? Because he's in the place of authority. 
What's the place of authority? At the right hand of the Father. It's the right seat that's the place of authority. And Jesus is sat there. And he invites you and he invites me to sit with him. And he says, I'm the head of the church and I'm empowering you to bring change. That means whatever comes at you is beneath him. His name is above it all. Whatever comes at you, that could be sickness, that could be lack, that could be anxiety, that could be anger, that could be loneliness. You can keep bringing out the words and the names, but this is the truth. Jesus has authority over all of it. And he's empowering you to have authority over it too. He empowers us to live life to the full. He empowers us to live in victory. He empowers us to walk out the best life. And here's what I love. He empowers us to represent him and to help others get free too. Because the same power in Jesus lives in me and lives in you. And he is seated in that place of authority. So authority and power are going hand in hand and it allows us to live the best life. Here's the thing, if you're going to be someone who walks in power, if you're going to be someone who walks in authority, can you handle it? Do you have the character to handle the authority God wants to give to you? And they're dilemmas. We have to ask ourselves these questions. I feel like a really good biblical story to unpack that is Joseph's story. Very famous story, isn't it? You know, the West End show and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and all these things. Most people have a, a vague or decent understanding of Joseph's story because God had a plan for him. And it was a plan for Joseph to be the man in authority. It was the plan for Joseph to be the man in power, a man of influence to bring change to nations and people. He wanted him there. But at the start, he didn't have the character for it because God gave Joseph a glimpse. He gave him some dreams. And the interpretation of the dreams are that his brothers and his parents would bow down to him. And instead of saying, okay, God, you're taking me on a journey, doing me what you've got to do in me. What did he do? He went and blurted it out. Oh, God's given me a dream and you're all going to bow down to me. And they hated him for it. They didn't like that. You wouldn't like that, would you? So they sold him off. Terrible thing to do. They sold him off. And he ended up in Potiphar's house. And he served there, and he served diligently. Despite the circumstances, he was growing. He was thinking to himself, I'm in this situation, I just need to do well. But Potiphar's wife accused him falsely of making advances on her. And he was put into jail. And so here's Joseph. He's had these God-given dreams about being the man in authority, the man with power. And he's found himself in jail. What does he do? Does he throw his toys out of the pram? No. He digs deep and he says, okay. I need to develop myself. So he became consistent. He became faithful. Every task he was given, he did really, really well. And he was recognized. And he rose up the ranks and was given more, more authority and, and more power, even in the jail. And it led to, to one of the guys going to, going to Pharaoh and Pharaoh wrestling with these dreams. And he says, I remember this guy, this Joseph guy. I was in jail with him. And he can interpret dreams. And, and God's taken Joseph on this journey of maturing him and through difficult circumstances, doing something on the inside of his, him so that he could handle position well. And Joseph interprets the dream. We know the story. And Pharaoh says, wow. And Pharaoh bit by bit positions him until Joseph is actually the prime minister of the most powerful nation on the planet. Why? Because he had the character to handle the authority that was given to him. He had to go on a journey with it. He didn't have it at the beginning. He was too big-mouthed. He was too shouty-mouthy. But he had to go through a journey 
so that the character on the inside of him was able to handle the authority God wanted to give him, which leads to questions. Do we, do me and you, have the character to handle the authority and power God wants to bestow on us? He wants his church, that's me and you, to be the biggest influence on our planet. You know, we have the answers that people crave, but do we have the character to walk in the authority that God wants to give us? I want to encourage you, if you've been going through a tough time, what's God doing on the inside of you? Because I'm sure when Joseph was falsely accused, I'm sure when Joseph was sold by his brothers, I'm sure when Joseph was at his darkest moment, he was thinking, for crying out loud, I don't deserve this. And so often we look at situations and think, I don't deserve this. But what we should be doing is saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing on the inside of me? Because I know your plan for me is good. I know your plan is that I am part of your church, empowered to bring change. So whatever it is you're doing in me, help me to grasp it. Because when we grasp the character, we'll be able to walk in the real authority God wants for you and for me. And come on, don't we long for the church to be walking in its full authority? Don't we long for the church to be so powerful that people know if they want their life sorted, come to the church, they're going to encounter the living God who's empowered a group, bunch of people, ordinary people like me and you, who have gone on a journey to have our character transformed so that we can actually be seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus in high places with everything beneath our feet. No lack, no anxiousness can grab me. No lack can grab, can grab me. No false accusations can hurt me. Why? Because they're names that are beneath my feet and I have the character to be the man God called me to be. It's a journey, guys, but this is all linked with this idea of power. You see, if you can have the right character, you'll be able to handle the power in a relationship. If you can have the right character, you'll be able to handle the power in a business sense. In whatever situation you find yourself in, it's your character that will be able to handle the authority and power that is given to you. You won't need to take it because God will be able to trust you with it. And he will instigate it so you end up in the position he always wanted you to be. So the prayer that I want you to grasp, you know, this coming week, be thinking about it. Are you brave enough to pray, Lord, do in me what you need to do in me so I can handle the things you want me to handle? That's a brave prayer. But I believe if you're brave enough to pray it consistently and you embrace the situations you find yourself in, God is going to do something on the inside of you which will position your character to handle the authority he's always wanted you to have. Come on, what an exciting time for the church. We are on the cusp of coming out of lockdown. Isn't it going to be great to see people flooding to the church? Isn't it going to be great to see those moments when we get in the Father's presence? But wouldn't it be great if we developed our character so we could really handle the power that God wants to release on his church so that we can influence the people and the things around us for God? Not to manipulate, not to get our own way, but because we want them to have the best life. We want the, our town to be the best town. We want our nation to be the best nation. And God's empowering his people to bring change for his glory. But that takes character. I just want to unpack a little bit about the kind of power that God wants to release on people like me and you. And there are two great biblical words, anointing and grace. Anointing and grace. Uh, anointing ultimately means rubbing in. 
And when you unpack some of the scriptures, and I'll do that in a minute, what it is is that God empowers people and he rubs gifts into them so that it becomes part of their, their nature, part of who they are, part of what they can do. It's an empowerment from heaven. It's an anointing. So often, biblically speaking, you, you'll see that there's, there's, there's oil and they, they rub the oil on their forehead and it, it's an anointing. It's just this picture of God empowering his people. And grace, I love the definition of grace to be undeserved favor. It's not that I deserve anything, but God graces me. He gives things to me that I don't even deserve just because he can and just because he loves me. But when you start unpacking why, it's so, so powerful. God has plans for humanity and his plans are to free people from chains. People are so bound up with stuff. You know, maybe not physically, but spiritually and mentally and, and in their life, there's so much struggle and strife and angst and, and hassle around. And Jesus has the power to break it. And he wants the church, me and you, to be in a position to heal the hurts, to bind up the brokenness, to help people to run in peace and be free. That was always Jesus' plans. And when we connect with our Heavenly Father, it positions us to be free and to live the best life. So he anoints us, the church, and he graces us, the church, with gifts. And I just want to read a couple of passages here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. And look at the language. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Remember? It's given for the common good. I love that. Why is he giving it to us? For the common good. It's for the good for other people. It's because we want good stuff for them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between, between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and same Spirit as he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So what God does is he anoints his church with different power gifts, with wisdom. Not just because you're amazing and you're so wise, but God has empowered you from heaven. He's given you authority in this area of wisdom. And how great is it when you're struggling to make a decision to go to someone who God's empowered with wisdom and say, can you give me some advice? And God has anointed them, he's rubbed it in on them, he's empowered them with authority in that area. With the miraculous, we long to see more of the miraculous in our world, don't we? Well, God's empowering, anointing people from heaven, from his place of authority, for people to walk out those things. It's so amazing when you look at it. Why? Because it's for the common good. God has a plan for humanity and he wants me and you to play our part in that. And he empowers us from his authority and gives us. We don't have to grasp it or grab it or take it. God freely gives us anointings, gifts, powerful things to bring change for the common good. It's not about me. It's about the world being in a better place for God's glory. It's given to us. Have a look at this one. Romans 12 verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. 
So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, can you see right at the beginning there? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is about character. You see, when we get our characters right, we can walk in the gifts and the graces and the anointings that God has given to us. And so there's this, there's this dilemma in the church of wanting to see the power ministries, wanting to see us flow these things for the good of our nation. But God's saying, let's get our hearts right. Let's get our character right so that I can release the authority I've always wanted you to have. Why? Because then we can walk in these graces. And I love this. You know, wouldn't we want to see the church walking in healing? You know, wouldn't it be amazing? The days come when someone walks in the church and they walk out different because they've encountered someone with a healing gift. Wouldn't it be great if, if leadership rises up in church and just breaks out and we find ourselves leading towns and ministries and, and businesses and stuff because God's anointed us or graced us to lead. It's not just that we're good at it. It's an authority given to us with wisdom, with miracles, with prophecy, with giving. Some people are just graced to give. They're just able to give and God positions them for that. And I love this one here to show mercy. You know, in our church, we have a, a hope ministries and we reach out to, to people all over the world who are in desperate struggle because we care enough. And God graces us for that, to be able to reach out and help, to fund things that go and help them, to pray, to speak into situations because we care. And it's a grace that's on the church. It's God's given it to us. And we can walk in authority with that. So these, these ministry gifts, these, these things that we're talking about here are for the common good. It's to bring changes, to bring influence. And it's linked with authority and power and character. It's not taking stuff. It's receiving what's given to us and stewarding it well and creating environments so we can grow in these gifts so that we can bring great influence. You know, when, he, when we boil it all down, Jesus came into the world so that we could be at one with his Father and to position us in that place of authority so that we can individually and corporately walk out amazing lives. I don't want to come and live an average life. I don't want to get to my deathbed one day, look back and go, that was okay. I want to look back and go, wow, flipping heck. I want to be in that place. And do you know what? God wants me in that place. He, Jesus didn't come to give me an okay life. He came to give me an abundant life. Jesus didn't come that I just might scrape by and get through to the end. He came that I'd have fullness. And part of that is walking in my authority that he is willing to give me if I have the character to walking in it. And that's the life we're called to. He has given us stuff so that we can have outrageous lives. You know, if you're a Christian today, you should have the most outrageous life. You know, if you're not having the most outrageous life right now, wouldn't it be time to come to, come to the Father on your knees and say, Lord, what are you doing? Do in me what you need to do in me because I want to start living this outrageous life. I want to start walking in the authority you've given me. I want to start experiencing the things you want me to experience. So do it in me. And my prayer is do it in me quickly. How exciting to be coming out of lockdown as an empowered church. 
How exciting to be coming out of lockdown as a church with a word over it that says influencers. How about exciting to come out of lockdown with relationships that are more whole because we've talked about it. How exciting to be coming out of lockdown empowered with authority, knowing where it comes from, that we haven't got to take it, but we receive it as it's freely given to us. So the questions I guess I want to ask you coming out of all this is, what's been stolen? In your life, when you look, you know, I'm sure you can look around and think, I've been robbed. Well, do you know what? The thief might have stolen, but Jesus says all authority is given to me. So when we reconnect with Jesus, we can fully expect everything that's stolen be given back to us. You know, my son Joshua, his middle name is Joel. And a major theme in the biblical book of Joel is that locusts come in and they, they devour everything. And all the crops are gone. But God prophesies through Joel that I will give you back tenfold. I'll give you back a hundredfold. I'll give you back more than has been stolen. So if you're someone right now reflecting on your life and say, well, so much has been taken. I've missed out on so much. Come on, now's the time to get before Jesus and say, come on, Lord, I want this full life. I'll position me with authority so that I can take hold of my life by the scruff of the neck and live the outrageous life you called me to. That's what he wants for you. But we need to be willing to get on our knees and say, God, do in me what you need to do in me. Do you know your authority? If you don't know your authority, come on, start understanding it. Talk to people about it. Pray about it. Research it. Look into it. You are a person of authority. If you know your authority, are you walking in your authority? Are you living like that? And good questions to ask ourselves. Are you willing to work on your character? to go on a journey. Joseph had to, and he was positioned as the prime minister of the most powerful nation. Where would God position you if you said, God, do work on my character. Help me. I'm laying myself open. I'm willing to go on that journey. What could happen? What is your grace? What's your anointing? What is the thing God's given you? And I can promise you this, he's given you something. You might not realize it yet, but come on, let's be looking. What's God doing in me? Because then you can start walking in the grace or the anointing God's given you, and you will just flow with authority and power because it's given to you. And we, the church, need you to walk in that authority. The church will be a better place. Our town will be a better place. Our nation will be a better place if each individual in the church is walking in the authority God's given to them. These are exciting times. You are here to demonstrate what God looks like. And you know what? You are empowered to do that. So, so exciting. You know, I've unpacked a whole bunch of stuff around power there and linking it with authority and character. I hope it challenges you. I hope it causes a desire to, to spring up in your spirit to say, Lord, there's more for me. Do in me what you've got to do in me so that I can walk out the outrageous and exciting and fulfilling life you've called me to. Lord, you know, this stuff been stolen from me. I know it. But you promised you'd give it back. Position me for that. How exciting is it going to be for us as a church and for you as an individual when we start walking out the lives God actually called us to live? And here's the thing. Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority with every name beneath his feet. And he's saying, go and live it. Go and do it. Go and be you. Go and do the things I've called you to do. Go and be a bit outrageous. Come on, let me stir your faith right now. Yes, you can. That thing that's on your heart, yes, you can. Why? Because Jesus has authority and he's giving it to you. Come on, stir your faith. Yes, you can do it. Come on, how exciting could the rest of this year be if you actually started believing the things that God says about you? 
if you started believing you could do the things God says you could do? How exciting would it be if actually we developed the character to handle those things? Who could we influence for the kingdom? What could we influence for the kingdom? What difference could we actually make if we knew our position of power and authority? Come on, church, let me pray for you. Father, Father, thank you for every amazing person that's tuned in to hear this message. Lord, I just pray that it would go deep in us, that it wouldn't be a message that was nice and encouraging, but it'd be a message that changes thought processes. It'd be a message that changes our prayer life. It'd be a message that changes our character. It'd be a message that stirs us up to be the best version of ourselves that you called us to be so that we can walk in the power you've called us to walk in. Lord, I just declare an empowerment over the church right now in Jesus' name. Every individual, you've got a part to play. You've got an anointing and you've got a grace. So walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I don't know where you sit in terms of your faith journey, but I know this. The best decision you'll ever make is to invite Jesus into your heart. You know, this Jesus I've been unpacking that walked in authority has great wisdom that is seated in the, at the right hand of the Father. And he came so that you'd be fulfilled. He's up there in heaven. He's saying, I want to do this life with you. Let me in. And all it takes from you is a yes in your heart. You don't need to know everything. You just need a little bit of faith to say, I believe you're there and I want you in here. And when you pray that prayer, he'll come into your world and just you watch it shift. And here's the thing. As a church, we love to do it together. We're called to do this life together. So if you pray, reach out to us. Get in touch via email or in the chat box or someone you know who goes to church. Don't do it on your own. But my encouragement is this. Pray that prayer right now. If you're feeling a bit stirred, don't leave it. Now is the best time to invite Jesus into your world. So I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray with me. Father God, Father, thank you for Jesus. Today I acknowledge you, Jesus, and I say, would you come and live in my heart? Would you be my Lord? I don't claim to know everything. But I know this, I want you to be in the middle of my world, in the middle of my life. So I invite you in. I say sorry from staying distant from you and the things I've done that have kept us apart. But today I choose you. And I thank you that you have already chosen me. So come and walk along with me. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey guys, it's been a privilege to share with you again today. Have the most epic week. Really looking forward to Easter weekend next weekend. Enjoy yourself. We're going to go out with some praise. God bless you.